Peeped. What's up, my evers and my nevers? I am Princess Weeks. And my name is Tessa Netting. And you are listening to The Geek Podcast, your one-stop shop for fandom combos, standing magical girls, a villain endorsements, and an explainer on all the pop culture that we love, but mostly simping on villains. Oh, always, of course. And each week, we're going to skim the surface of what's popular in geek culture, then deep dive into the lore of a Netflix world bigger than our own. Today, we are talking about the adaptation of one of my favorite book series that has now finally come out after so so many years the school for good and evil yes oh my goodness princess i'm so excited to finally talk about this with you especially since i saw this so so long ago at geeked week and i haven't been able to talk with anyone especially you because i knew you were a fan so i am so hype for this. I've literally been like, I can't wait to see this to one, watch it and be finally be like, Tessa, tell me all of your opinions. So now we get to do that. Yay. And we have a lovely treat for all of y'all listeners. We got to sit down with Paul Feig himself, the director and producer. What a treat. So that's something to look forward to as we get into all this never ebbing drama. But before we get into all of that, Tessa, my darling, what has got you geeked this week? Well, this week, uh, let's see. I bought my tickets for Knives Out. Uh, so I'm hype because I do want to see it in theaters uh, after Thanksgiving. And then it'll be on Netflix for the holiday season. So then I can ex- enjoy it over and over again in the comforts of my own home. Because that personally to me is my favorite thing where I, I'll see something in a theater, but then I'll rewatch it like at home. To me, that mm-hmm. is perfect because I, I don't know. I'm the if I like something, I will see it so many times in theaters. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. And it's yeah, like, I, I, I saw so many. I saw like Black Panther four times in uh-huh. theaters. I saw Birds of Prey like four times in theaters. Right. Like, I. I can see a movie multiple times, but then when you have it at home, it's expensive too, is, though. It adds it's up. It's expensive. It does, and we don't have um, AMC Movie Pass anymore. And like Movie Pass, mm-hmm. when Movie Pass was out, I was seeing movies every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that turned out to be a scam. So unfortunately, the MLMs. Got I me. know, but yeah, it's one of those things where I'm I'm hyped for that because I I'm excited for both different experiences. Mm-hmm. And then also to see it with my family, like, at home, because they will just, like, refuse to watch something like that in the theater. But if it's, like, at home and it's around Christmas, they're like, oh, what should we watch? And I'm like, here we go. This is what we're watching. And I will force it upon them, and they're going to be obsessed with it, like always. I love that. So there's that. And then the other thing that I'm geeked about this week is I found out um, that Fred Armisen is playing Uncle Fester in yes. Wednesday. So, so good. that to me is great because I think he is hilarious. So I'm down. That is great casting. Uh, I love uh, just like that they pick somebody who I don't think anyone expected. Right. So, Not at all. Yeah. And he's also um, Latino. Like I think his fa- his mother is from Venezuela. So it like fits in perfectly with the whole uh, strange machinations of the of the Adams family and them leaning more Latino this time. So yeah, that's a that's a good casting for them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's those two things have got me excited. Knives out and Wednesday. What about you, Princess? 
well, I am, you know, after this post-Comic-Con wash, I'm just sort of like enjoying self, relaxing at home. I'm, I just got a game code for the video game Gotham Knights. So I'm excited to play Ooh. as my good son and best boy Robin. Well, not the best boy, but uh, Jason, <laughs> <laughs> Jason Todd, which I, who I absolutely love. And as of this recording, the trailer for season two of The Warrior Nun just came out. And I feel like people have been waiting for the second season for Warrior Nun for like 10,000 years. Uh, I believe it films it's in Brazil. It's been 84 years. It's been 84 <laughs> years, yes. And it's like it filmed in Spain and all cool. over South America. So I'm really glad that they are coming back, that we're going to be having some, you know, occult detective, superhero weirdness. Um, I want to see everything good happen for Sister slash Shotgun Mary. And just, you know, there's I love queer nuns. I love nuns. Um, and I like looking at Spain from the comfort of my own home. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to to traveling to España mm. from home. I, I went to Spain once for a friend's wedding and Ooh. it was pretty incredible. But the thing that like was wild to me that I could not like just grasp is that it is so light out like at mm. night and it's so weird. Like also, things don't open until later. Yeah. So, like, they don't have dinner until, like, 10 o'clock or something. And so if you wake up, like, early, then there's nothing open. Like, no restaurants, no food. Like, nothing is because they're all, like, sleeping because they stay up all night because the sun is so different. And it's wild. And I was like, I, wow. You sold me is... on Madrid. I'm going. Oh, <laughs> it was so fun. Honestly, I had the most fun time. It was incredible. I also went during, I think, Pride for them. So it was Ooh. even better. Oh. Oh God, gay lights everywhere. That yeah. sounds amazing. It I'll really bring was. My, I'll just bring my sister. She speaks Spanish. I'll be like, you do, you translate yes! and I'll drink. And then I, I'll just... <laughs> I, I had uh, Brizzy with me and she speaks Spanish. So that's why I was like, okay, we're good. You can uh, make sure that we are not getting, you know... Traffic like, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sent to a wrong place, like getting into a cab and you know where we're going and what they're saying. Like, because I would have no idea. It's my biggest flaw. I cannot speak any other language. I can I can I can read French really well. I can speak it okay, but my biggest burden is that I speak every language with a New York nasal accent. So like, it's the worst. There's nothing worse than saying another language with no in change of inflection from how you regularly sound. Oh my it's god, like, that's like, so funny. I'll be like, I'll just go to so like I can't even wait. Like, <laughs> Like, like, ça va bien. You know, like, it's whatever. <laughs> yes, I know like, that very well. I like, know that very well. It's so embar- it's so embarrassing. But you know what? I'm geeked for it. I'm geeked for you. I'm geeked for us. And that's what's got us geeked this week. All right, my loves. Before we decide which one of us is an ever and which one is an ever, we are going to chat with director and producer of the film, Paul Feig. And if you don't know what the School for Good and Evil is, here is my rapid-fire synopsis. Best friends Sophie and Agatha find themselves on opposing sides of an epic battle where they are swept away into an enchanted school where aspiring heroes and villains are trained to protect the balance between good and evil. Or are they? Dun-dun-dun! And now that you're caught up, here's Mr. Feed. Hello. First of all, huge fans. Spy was brilliant. Everything you do is so fascinating and beautiful and interesting. So thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. (laughs) 
And so the first thing we want to ask is what made you want to adapt this film, School for Good and Evil? What made you want to make it? I love the uh, the story. You know, I'm always looking for for great stories about three-dimensional, you know, female characters. And I love friendship stories, female friendship stories. And this just kind of had it all because I just the whole idea of this friendship that's so strong but then goes through the fire kind of as one person gets, you know, pulled into a world that the other person is trying to save them from and 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 but who never gives up on that person. I just I I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And and then you know, I've been wa- dying to be able to create a world uh from scratch and knowing that this is a world that li- literally doesn't exist other than in book form, visually or whatsoever. And so that was real catnip to me too. So those two combined to just saying like I have to do this movie. And um, do you know, were you looking for something specific in casting Sophie and Agatha? Because the Sophias were so perfect and their chemistry was amazing. So is it like when you saw them together, you knew immediately? Yeah, well, it was weird because, you know, I saw Sophie Ann Caruso on Broadway in Beetlejuice. But this was before I even knew that this project existed. And I just kind of was said, I have to work with her. You know, I don't know on what, but I just have to work with her. So I kind of kept her on my list. So when I read this, my first instinct was like, oh, she'd be Agatha. She'd be a perfect Agatha because th- she's got that look, you know, that kind of gothic <sighs> look in it. But then, yeah. you know, when I once I talked to her and stuff, I go, like, oh, no, she's Sophie. She's just too – feels like a, a friendly loose cannon because you kind of don't know what she's going to do. And so it's just like, okay, she's Sophie. But then, you know, then we just started auditioning a lot of people for the Agatha role because I wasn't sure who. And actually, I had decided on on another actor who I thought was really, really good. And so we did a chemistry read, but it, we were setting that up. But then, um, but then Sophia Wiley's tape came through, and I was like, wow, she's really good. But then I was like, I don't know. I, I think I need to see more out of everybody. I'm going to make everybody do the, the the big scene at the end where, you know, um, the, the big death scene at the end. And even my casting director is like, she goes, that's not fair. Like, that's really bad to make people do something that heavy, you know, acting against nobody. And I was, every or actor will be horrified by this story. I was out on a walk with my phone and the, her audition came in. I was so excited to watch it that I just, I just watched it on my phone as I was walking, which is terrible. You should never do that. <laughs> But it was so good. I was literally like crying on my walk, watching my phone. The neighbors thought I was lost my mind. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. So then I brought her and the other person who I was thinking of doing. And we had to do, because of COVID, we had to do the chemistry read on Zoom, which is crazy. You don't, you know, normally they're sitting with each other and you see them face to face and you see how their chemistry is. But the Sophia's had the craziest amount of chemistry over Zoom. And I was like, if they can nail this over Zoom, then we are on fire. And so the rest is history. To mix in some fun, if you had a fairy tale parent, if you went to the school for good and evil, hero or villain, who would you want to be your fairy tale parent? Oh, man, that's a good one. Um... Gosh, uh, I mean, from our movie or just from anything? It could be from any fairy tale, any, like, a personal one that you hmm. connect with. Hmm. You know, that would be your Yeah, I know. Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, you've, you've, you've almost stumped me with this. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Here's why I'm having trouble with this, is I, growing up, didn't like fairy tales because they were terrifying. I, they were all terrifying. They yeah, are terrifying. Like everything yeah. always went wrong, and somebody got killed. You know, there were such morality <laughs> tales that I was like, "Ugh, I, I'm afraid of all of them." So I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously, I think Cinderella's fairy godmother was. You know, she'd be cool because she could give you all kinds of good stuff, <gasps> and um, 
And she seemed really nice and impatient and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll take Ooh, that's a good one. And then <laughs> you'll also have your own mom. magic fairy powers no matter what. <laughs> See, exactly. So as long as I've got something I can do, that's all I ask. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You got it made. So was there one particular sequence in the book that you were really, really excited about bringing to life or one that was a little challenging? And there's so many sequences that were I was excited about. Uh, the wish fish scene was definitely one that I was very excited mm-hmm. about. That's kind of everybody always talks about that scene both in the book and in the script they would always like kind of single that out so I, I was really excited about that you know in uh, to just to have that kind of emotion but it was that was a really hard challenging one to get the special effects right for because the idea mm. that this one young woman is the wish fish you know it, it, it was always kind of she was getting you know when we were trying to do it it was always she was getting pulled out of a bunch of fish it's like no she is the fish so we have to figure out how to make it look like these all these fish are weaving back into a person. But we really nailed it. But, I mean, it, it was uh, the poor special effects team. God bless them. They really, you know, they went through a lot on that one. So I love that. But also a Hester's tattoo. Yeah, So good. I love that yeah. so much. So and I, but good. that was challenging, too, because I would just, you know, it, you know, we were trying to, I try to do everything very real. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and I never want actors kind of acting against tennis balls and all that kind of thing. And I, I don't do much green screen. Like, all our sets are real, you know. And then we do a little bit of extent. Wow extension where we have to fill in holes or lights or whatever but you know so we have we have this great puppeteer on on set called mikey who he was always in like the blue suit the green suit or whatever but we made this big kind of hester's demon green puppet that he would fly around the set and kind of torment sophie with and and so we could all know where it was So that was really fun. But then we had like flame bars that we would do for certain things because I wanted the feel of the flames, obviously very safely, you know, and then moving, then swinging these lights around with the, with the um, puppet because you want that light interaction on the people. You don't, if it's just pure special effects and like nothing was in the room, you don't feel it on people. Mm-hmm. It, it feels fake. So, right. um, so that was fun, but that was really challenging. And, and we got, when we blew out the window when the uh, wasps come in, that's, that's actually Sophia and Caruso standing there with this giant air cannon just blast that window out from behind her she was you know safe and covered but still i was like okay you're gonna you're gonna feel this my friend (laughs) (laughs) i feel like as a broadway actress she must have loved that because beetlejuice is all puppet interaction so for her she's like i do this all the time no she's like i get flown on wires every night so no the the funniest thing was when we were shooting all that stuff in the forest for the trial of tales especially in in the flowers she just became so enamored with stunts that her whole thing was like i think i want to be a stunt woman i was like well be be like tom cruise keep acting but do your stunts also do it all all. don't deprive us of your wonderful acting skills <laughs> well you are a very stylish man and your all your films have like really beautiful costuming and designs and that also is in this film so were there any costume moments that you really enjoyed because there were so many amazing gowns just beautiful yeah gowns. <laughs> i mean i loved all of it that's my favorite thing and you know renee kalfas my amazing costume designer who did simple favor with me and last christmas you know we love it and so i just said you're gonna have the hardest job you've ever had and the most fun job and you know we just started sending these boards back and forth of all these reference pictures from fashion magazines and books and old photos and new photos because i just wanted to make sure that there was no unifying feel to the costumes because this is a school 
where all the different cultures mm -hmm. from all over the world, every fairy tale comes mm -hmm. in. You know, in the book, they have uniforms. And I was like, that's too Harry Potter-ish for me. I want all these people to come in. Yeah. You know, because I, I didn't have uniforms in school. And so you you kind of judged everybody's personality by how they dressed, you know, or that was your at least your intro mm -hmm. to them. And so, yeah, so we really went for it. It was really fun to, you know, kind of design Agatha's Gavaldon look, which was based on the idea that basically she kind of gets all her clothes from dead people. You know, whoever gets buried in the <laughs> cemetery, you know, they get the leftover <laughs> clothes. So um, so that was fun. And then with, with, with Sophie, who's the seamstress who wants to be a princess that, you know, we, Renee and I just had so much fun kind of like, how would she cobble together a gown out of all the just scraps that she finds around the town? So that... That gown is actually quite elaborate when you get in close with it of how it's made up out of a million different pieces of stuff. So that was fun. And then when we got to the school, it was really just how, how do we put Agatha in the most anti-Agatha clothes that we can? You know, and that, Renee designed that giant first dress with this giant bell, bell suit. I wish I could wear it every day. <laughs> every little girl is going to want to wear Oh, my goodness. So a much dream. fun. Big girls, too. I was yeah. just like, I want to. <laughs> well, we have that gag, though, when she sits down the first time and the, the hoop pops up. And that really happened yes, the first uh, time she sat down when trying it on. I was like, okay, that's got to go in the movie. It's too funny. Sweet. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, designing Charlize's, uh, clothes was really fun. <sighs> yeah. Cause you know, look, I, I'm a suit and tie guy, <laughs> as you know, and, um, you know, in the book it's more, she's almost more kind of like Morticia Adams sort of, you know, the black dress. Mm -hmm. I remember yeah, but books, like yeah. neither Charlize or I were kind of interested in going that route. Cause you know, Charlize, it was important to her that like Lesso's just has a uniform. She doesn't, she's, she's given up, you know, like evil never wins. So she's like, screw it. I'm just going to wear the same you know three outfits all the time and so you know so then we went to the hyper tailoring because she really likes you know I, how i dress and i'm very into men's tailoring uh you know we did it with blake lively and simple favors so we just kind of took it to the nth degree yeah and just so much fun you know then finally with sophie's looks once she starts to do her transformation you know, we wanted it to be that she's cobbling stuff from the School for Evil. So all those outfits are basically made out of, you know, fabrics that we have for curtains and tablecloths and burlap sacks and all that kind of thing. So, you know, and, and sheets and all that. So, yeah, so I wanted to feel organic that way. Incredible. Honestly, so the costumes were one of my favorite mm -hmm. parts of the whole movie. Is there a character in this film that you really personally connected with or one that you wanted to make sure that they were portrayed a certain way? Well, I mean, I think everybody who loves the series loves Agatha because, you know, she is right. the audience. She is the one coming into the situation mm -hmm. going like, this is crazy. <laughs> you know, everything yeah. you guys are teaching and believe is nuts and it's wrong, you know. So I really wanted to make sure that we preserved her, you know, kind of uh, uh, rebellious nature but also that she's real that she does get affected by this stuff and she does get pulled into it and, 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 and you know it's way better than the life she has back in Gavelden, which everybody's trying to burn her you know so so that whole thing so so yeah so i really love agatha and want to guard her but also sophie you know in the book sophie's a real challenging character she's really mm -hmm. pushes every she's yeah. my favorite character she's so she's so uh yeah exactly yeah. She's a lot of opinions she <laughs> shifts on a dime and yeah i just wanted to make sure that you know sometimes things in books read really fun and then on the screen it's like 
you're like, oh, it's too mm. much. Mm -hmm. So it was really fun finding with with Sophia and Caruso those levels and where we could push, where we could pull back, where because she could be sort of petulant, where she could be, you know, giving into her evil side, but then always seeing like she's still in the, the you know the good person is still inside her, even though you know she's still the person who will whack somebody over the head with a with a frying pan if, if they get in Agatha's face. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I really wanted to guard the two of them. One of the things I wonder is, like, we talked about the special effects. Sophie's transformation, you know, just going from, like, you know, every little bit of it. And I know there's oversight. How much What did the Sophies get to also incorporate their own personalities and style into the character design? Because it just, like, I feel like you are someone who does communicate with your actors in that. So I wonder how much of it was them bringing stuff and what was it like to get to transform uh Sophie, Sophie, in from like I want to be a princess long here to like looking like the the biggest right. goblin in art. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. I, yeah, like you said, I, I really empower my lead actors to find their looks. You know, like Charlize completely invented that look for herself with the red wig and everything. She, there's this one model I can't remember the model's name, but has hair like that. She was like, I never played a redhead. Could I do this? You know, and then she did her own makeup for the movie. She would actually do her own makeup in the morning. So, so I do that with everybody, and, and it was really fun as we were kind of designing the costumes to have to have the our two you know leading ladies weigh in and they were just kind of finding their comfort level on stuff and going like I'd like this to be you know more elaborate or I think this should be tighter or this should be more you know I don't know punkier or you know to, to get that feel of the, of the moments that they were in in the movie so you know they really embraced it and, and were very collaborative with us on it and then you know for for Sophia Ann to you know have to begin to turn into an old old witch um, you know that that was working with our our you know we have a, had a great kind of special effects makeup guy and this guy named Christian designed like four different phases of how she would turn you know but she had to become you know, like a fairy tale witch. So, so mm -hmm. you know, the features right. are over the top. I mean, the nose is ridiculous by the end. It's, you know, it's like a beak or something, but it looks like every old, you know, drawing etching of like a witch you would see. And Sophia Ann just, she really embraced it, you know? And the big thing was, we were always talking about like, does your voice change? Does it get more? And she decided, and I love it. She goes, I actually think it's creepier if, I just keep my regular voice. It was. <laughs> right. It's an old woman. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, man, I love that. You know, so that was kind of just like, man, that was brilliant because I never would have thought of that. I would have had her kind of some kind of, you know, corny voice. So uh, God bless her for coming up with that. Because we are the Geeked Podcast, what is something that you personally geek out about? It could be like a movie, sh book, show, any sort of thing that brings you so much like personal inner fanboy Joy. Well, I, I geek out about clothes and, and, and style. Yeah. So I mean, I really do geek out on fashion, but I'm not a not not so much a fashion mm -hmm. fan as a style fan. You mm -hmm. know, because I think fashion comes ah. in trying to surprise, trying to like blow the walls off the place. And, you know, it, like you know, you see a lot of like you know, I like watching fashion shows, and I've been to things like you know the Tom Brown show in, in Paris, and you're just like, what are they wearing? This is crazy. There's an this is an old man thing, but there's an old episode of of the the three stooges where they're hiding out as carpenters but they they're carpenters and they go to this uh, they get, uh, they're hiding out in like a fashion place and so they make clothes and there's this fashion show but they're all the dresses and everything look like 
furniture. It's crazy. But I was so I watched some of I watched mm. these fashion shows and go like it looks like the Three Stooges designed some of this stuff. <laughs> you know, some of it's just way over the top. But but I get so excited when I see cool stuff. You know, but I, I love I love real classic traditional men's styling. And then for women, I, I think the sky's the limit for women. You know, because you just have you have more options you can you can do at least that makes sense to me. Well, in in the school for good and evil, if you were enrolled, do you think that you would be a never or an ever? Well, you know, I'd love to be a never, but I would definitely be an ever because I'm too much of a goody two shoes. <laughs> so. I feel you. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm good. So, yeah, we all said that. We were like, yeah. we want to be evil so bad, but we just have so much Catholic Exactly. Death, so we exactly. Just can't do it. Can we just be, you know, like a cool, <laughs> let's be cool Evers, you know? Like, we, we can right? rock all that look. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for sitting down and talking to us. This was such a treat. And we are both, we love the movie. We both have watched it. We both are obsessed. Love it. And we can't wait for everybody else to see it and fall in love. Oh, So, congrats. Absolutely. Oh, that makes me so happy. Thank you. And I'm a big fan of both of you. I think you're both so great. And keep doing your, keep doing what you do. It's really fun to, to watch what you do. So, thank you. All right, now it is time to talk about the school for good and evil. And I want to start with you telling us about like how you found this book series because I had never read the books before. I just went into this like without any backstory, but you have this whole like you've loved this series. So I want to know where that came from and then like get into this movie because I need to know all of your thoughts. So I got into this book series pretty much like a couple years out of college, I used to work at a Barnes & Nobles in Brooklyn. And one of my really good co-workers there, Paige Turner, shout out to you if you're listening. We just like to read books together. And so we started picking up this series because it was pretty. It was hardcover. We were both into it. And I just remember laying in bed and just starting it and just being like, okay, okay. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Like, it just kept, like, ramping up. And I just really loved the story, the characters. I love Sophie. She's my absolute, one of my favorite villains of all time. I can't settle for an ordinary life. And I just, I got sucked in. So sucked in that I actually, I think I forgot that it is a young adult middle grade book series. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, it's so interesting when you read middle grade as an adult, what yes. you latch on to. Because I feel like the the thing about when I saw the movie, so I saw the movie... And I was like, okay. And I went instantly back and started reading the book again. I'm like, oh, I think I forgot a lot of the setup. And I just focused Mm -hmm. really on like the like super gay drama between (laughs) Sophie and Agatha. (laughs) And just, I was like, Sophie's villain journey was just always so epic to me that Mm -hmm. like, I was so excited about that. And I feel like with the movie, all the creators have said that like, it's not a, direct adaptation that it's very different in terms of different ways but it hits all the same plot points and I would Mm -hmm. say that is very true it like it hits all of the narrative benchmarks of the story the tone is a little bit different it definitely feels a little bit more enchanted 
ish. Like it definitely mm. feels like it's fitting into descendants like, vibes. Yeah, I feel like it's fitting into that you know monster high descendants. Mm. Like how do we play with the fairy tale thing a, a bit more? There were some music cues that happened. And I was just kind of like, okay, so this is how we're doing this. All right, I see you. All right, I got a little Billie Eilish song, a little this. I loved that. It was not that I didn't like. It just it didn't happen before. So when all of a sudden it's like you should see me in a crown. I was like, all right. Oh, I was like, oh. I'm- I was uh, like, oh, this is baller, but I wish you had done this earlier so I could have expected it. But I did get into it. Any, everything with <sighs> Sophie, to me, was like, mwah. And I love the actress who plays Agatha. I think that they kind of rushed through her stuff, but I get that they were trying to just kind of like, you know, it's a middle grade book series. They want to hit all the benchmarks. If you want to read the books, you can. But I did love that. And I also loved how much fun the adult actors, specifically Charlize Theron. Charlize was enjoying herself so much. Like, she and Kerry Washington were hamming it up. We've been expecting you. It was fantastic. They were amazing. Charlize was like, yes, I'm going to be the evil queen again, but this time I'm the evil school the feminine mom. energy. It was I loved just, it. It was so good. But yeah, I, I really was into it. I enjoyed it. It just took me a second to remind myself, I am not the audience for this. And I was so, like, 2013, that was, like, almost 10 years ago. So it's like, I had to remember, like, oh, I was, like, 20 when these books came out. I probably read them when I was, like, 22 or something. And so, like, I have grown a lot. And these Mm -hmm. characters have grown a lot to me because the book series just ended in 2020. So it's going back to the beginning. It's kind of like when you read... Sorcerer or Philosopher's Stone, oh, and you're no, like, I've, oh, I, I understand. Ex- I have the same thing with Percy Jackson, the Percy yes, Jackson series. Absolutely, so yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like you forget that these are like actual kids' books. Right? You're like, you're like oh, these are children who are being so extra. But I would say, but like, they're for th- so good though. They, it's, it's so because good because they're so good. Like, I, it was one of those things that the to me the concept mm-hmm. of this story was so brilliant like are you kidding me like a school like this is where all the great fairy tales begin like the origin of all the heroes and villains and all the greatest stories like this is where they're trained and taught i'm like oh my god this is i love that the school for good and evil where the true story behind every great fairy tale begins the school for good trains the heroes the school for evil the villains and I think, like, Sophie's, Sophie's bait and switch when she just is like, well, if good uh, defends and evil attacks, then I guess, whoops, we're the, I was kind of like, I remember when I read the book and I was like, like, I was just so, when I was watching it on the show, I had the exact same, like, fuck, yeah, we did it, we won, evil, 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 it was, it was that same kind of, like, thrill. So I just think any kid who, like, was a fan of these books when they were, like, middle grade or like a young teen watching it now will still get like a very big kick out of it just remember Mm -hmm. like you know you've experienced the books differently than how it will be for the generation coming after you so I I make sure to always keep that in mind oh yeah I mean this movie I I loved it I really did I absolutely loved it but like one of those things when I was watching it I just kept thinking like little baby Tessa would be obsessed Oh, same. 
obsessed with this movie. Like, are you kidding me? Like, if me and my sister watched this when we were, like, 12 Mm -hmm. or 11, like, this would be our entire personality. Like, the the, entire summer we would be playing, like, let's play School for Good and Evil. And we'd pick, like, the characters and be, like, it's perfect. Like, it's so good. And it doesn't help that, like, when Sophie goes through her evil transformation and gets her hair cut off, she looks exactly like you. It's so funny because when I got to interview Sophia Wiley and Sophia and Caruso, like both the both me and Sophia and looked at each other like we are the same. Yeah. <laughs> we like look very similar. Like uh, so that was very that was something we noticed that was very funny. Which God bless, you know, if she's mm-hmm. an alternate version of me, she's killing it. I am supporting her through and through. <laughs> I freaking loved that character. I don't know what it is. About magical schools, man. I don't it's know so fun. what it is. It's so fun. It's like, I think, it, like, a part of me always loved school a little bit. But then, like, when it got a little boring is when I'm like, ah, but this never gets boring. It's like yeah. the fun part of school. And then you add magic to it. So it just makes, like, to me, like, to a nerd, I'm like, oh, this is everything. But one of the things I really loved about this story in this movie is that like it's an epic fantasy but it's centered around these like two badass like female characters Mm -hmm. and it really like showcases the power of female friendship because a lot of times with all this fantasy stuff it's always like centered around a boy orphan Mm -hmm. boy but instead it's like oh here's two women and also it's how Female friendships can sometimes be complicated and can Mm -hmm. sometimes be so personal, even more personal than romantic relationships. Oh, absolutely. And and also this was, what's that movie that was just on Netflix? Do Revenge or whatever? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was another movie that's sort of been exploring that recently. So I've just been like thinking about that like Mm -hmm. recently just because of that movie and now this. But it's it's one of those things, and we've even talked about this, where it's like with female friendships, it's hard to mm-hmm. find like friendships that are genuine and solid and mm-hmm. real, especially like in our industry. But like so many times in in life and in stories, like mm-hmm. women are pitted against each other. Right. It's like competitive. There's jealousy. There's like boys involved. So then that always sort of and. To me, it was interesting how this story, like, even though they were faced that, it, like, it saw it through. You, like, kept seeing, like, okay, how are they dealing with this? If to save their friendship, what is, what do they have to do? Like, do, and uh, it just made my heart so happy because I found, especially, like, as I've gotten older, like, how important, like, my female friendships are, like, in my life. Like, Surrounding myself with powerful, amazing women has only made my life better. Absolutely. You know? So I'm just like, oh, there's so much, like, empathy, compassion. They inspire me. Like, women are magic. So to see that in here, like, so many girls are going to latch on to that. And I think it's a really important thing to talk about and show. Absolutely. And I think about how, like, this book and Frozen, the first one, came out pretty much back to back. This came out, I think, in May of that year. Then the movie came out in November. So it's like you had two back to back stories where, like, the true love was between, like, you know, two sisters, between two best friends. And, like, I think that's so important as well is that we were really seeing this paradigm shift of, like, we can no longer 
you know, validate this idea that two women have to be in competition with each other and they can't push back against that. And that, like, also, I think when it comes to, like, Sophie, is, like, that you can't, that it's okay, to, like, that is okay to be a narcissist. But, like, you know, sometimes girls are narcissists. Like, sometimes you want to be yes. a little bad girl. You know, sometimes you want to be a little bad villain. Doesn't mean that you don't, like, ultimately love your friends or whatever. But, like, I right. like giving female characters the opportunity to be bad and then say, like, you can evolve. You know, you can you mm-hmm. can grow out of these habits. Because I think Sophie loves Agatha. She's just also just like, but I'm the protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like, in this movie, Carrie Washington, like, said, we are in the age of self-centered perfectionism or something. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh. <laughs> this is a personal attack. You're like, well. <laughs> I was like, okay, you didn't have to just say it out like that. Okay, we all we all know this, but you don't have to just say it like that. But um, I'm sorry, gorgeous Carrie Washington, that <laughs> I know, right? we're so self-centered. I mean, but, you know, it's one of the things that I think is like, it's not, it's always nice to do like true beauty is from within. But then yes, it's like, but we know it's beauty. But then it's like, but it's within babes. You know, it's like, it's a like, true beauty is within. It's within a this, lot, people. Within this book. Audacious babe lives a good person. And it's just like, wow, love that. <laughs> true beauty only lies within hot people. Yeah, true you beauty lies within first. true beauty. <laughs> um, that's and I totally And I totally forgot that Sophia was the original Lydia on Beetlejuice because yes. I saw her in Beetlejuice. So I was like, she's so, she's so good. Yeah. Oh my God. She's Which explains so how hammy and like how organic she felt in that because I felt like she was definitely just like oh yeah I'm 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 acting for everyone the back seats everybody it was so fun to watch oh god even with she her like, like Dobby it. makeup I was like oh. at a certain point she was looking like creature I was like <laughs> <laughs> oh it was amazing she just killed it like honestly this this movie really did showcase like her talent like she just was like okay I'm running this and I'm gonna go for it and Sophia, who played Agatha, was also incredible. But it's one of those oh, yeah. things, like, to me, and I think also to you, like, the protagonist is never as interesting. The good one is always, yeah. <laughs> I know. And it's like, I hate to say that because she's so good in the role. Like, she is. She feels pure. Her heart, like, it's, she is the heart of the story. And their friendship is, mm-hmm. like, what's driving the whole thing. And yeah. she needs to play that in order for Sophie's character to be so effective. It's like, yeah. she does the perfect job, but sometimes when you're the main character and you do a perfect job, it's like your part isn't as fun because yeah. the villain is always more fun. That's kind of like my one note too, is because like in the book, Agatha is a little bit more weird. Like she isn't mm. evil, but she does definitely play up the whole like, yeah, people think I'm a witch. What about it? Like, so I definitely feel like she's made into a little bit more like, tragic than I think that she is in the books. Like, she's still, like, people suck to her, but she's a lot more assertive and, like, self-assured in herself than I think she can be in this movie. You can't go into all those details. Yeah. Just, especially when it's, like, such an epic fantasy and it's Mm -hmm. for, like, a younger audience. Like, you need to kind of, needs (laughs) needs to make sense. I think if this and... Fate Wings Club weren't both supernatural schools things. We would have had like a show with this. I just think that like they already um, have like they already have enough like supernatural fictional schools as as I do TV want another shows. movie though. I Give would, us another oh, yeah. movie. I definitely think please. that like there's enough behind us that could get a second movie. 
Especially because I think that the actors are talented and they had a good time. And I, I'm never going to say no to seeing really amazing. Like Michelle Yeoh is in this movie. Had no idea yes. about that. Patty like, Lapone is in this Pat- movie. Where did they have the? First of all, how, how did you get these people? Second of all, like how does Michelle Yeoh have the time to be perfect oh, in I know, every right? single role? Flawless. Doesn't she have to sleep like the rest of us? I don't know. Maybe she doesn't. But Paul Fig, he got everybody in here. And I'm just like, all right. He did it. He really he did. did. And going back to like the Sophias, they were so perfectly oh, cast. Right, Sophia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sophia Wiley and Sophia and Caruso, like they were so perfectly cast to me because their chemistry was so good. Mm-hmm. And if their chemistry wouldn't have been good, it would have oh, ruined yeah. the whole movie. Yeah. Like it was the most important thing to get right in this yeah. movie was their chemistry. And because they had that, it like Oh my God, It you felt it. It felt real the whole mm-hmm. moment. Like when they, you need that when the friends come to save the friends and they love each other and you're like, oh, like you need to feel that. It needs to feel real or else it's not going to work. Kids can see through it. They got to yeah. see it. They got to feel it. All emotions and they killed it. So they were perfect. And also like, I know this might sound really silly. I just love Sophia Wiley's round face. Like, I feel like I love she's like- insanely gorgeous. Yes. She's this beautiful little girl, you know, young woman. And it's just like, when I looked at her, I was just like, I kept thinking, what a lovely young lady. Like, I felt so, <laughs> like, I like felt like such an adult. I was like, these lovely ladies. And it's like, she just looked so pretty. And I just love yes. that she kind of like had like a filler, a fuller face of like slightly fuller figure, like not obviously full figured, but just, you know, fuller. And it says, like, she looks so beautiful. They styled her so well. That pink oh, dress, so- I was oh like, God. I was like, well, Gagging. I want the, war- the wardrobe choices were absolutely A+. plus. Unreal. Someone's thinking about Tumblr in these designs. And I think that's a good person. But yeah, I loved it so much. When I got to interview them, one of the things they mentioned about the costumes was the process was kind of collaborative, which I thought Mm -hmm. was really interesting. And they did do because they're like, this never happens, where the costume designer like reached out to both of them and was like, here's a Pinterest board if you have any ideas or things that you would like or tell me like, you know, sort of which way or which direction you think the character would go or we could like work together. And I'm like, Oh my God, what an absolute dream that is. How Uh, cool. Because not only do you like get to wear these incredible like pieces of clothing, but you get to like put a little bit of either yourself or how you mm -hmm. would have the character or like the choices your character would make. Like that never happens. So that is like just so cool. And the costumes were unreal. They all looked, they just like, she looked like a perfect princess and she looked like Mm -hmm. the bad bitch that would have awakened my bisexuality if I was like 12 years old. So it was just, it was just perfect all around. (laughs) Did you have like a favorite moment that you, that stood out to you when you were watching? I just, I love the battle, like the ballroom blitz at the end. Yes! Like, I love, I just like, this is exactly. Toxic? Are you I kidding know. me? I, 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 was, I was like, what I have? I was like, not ghostly toxic. Oh my goodness. Oh, I was, we love it, princess. I was like, listen, if there is one thing that millennials will get on their feet for, it is a ghostly rendition of a Britney Spears song. I was just like, all right. Correct. I was like, well, now it's time to party. And like, it was just so well done that it was just like, oh, yeah. Like, and when Sophie walks out to go get her, like her finger prick to get her powers, the way she was kind of like, thank you. I was like, first of all, that's Tessa. Second of all, just like, you know, 
I, I appreciate the hustle. It was fun to watch. Oh, God. That role, though, honestly, that would be, like, the role that I would want to play. Like, oh, how sure. fucking fun is that role? Like, I, it is so fun. Because you get to be, like, all innocent at the beginning and then have this turn. And mm-hmm. then you just get to, like, live in that campy villain, like, life. And it's so I'm telling you, being a villain is my favorite. I it, yeah. It's the most fun you can have. So it's like, and I was just like a kid's villain on a TV show. I wasn't like a fairy tale villain. That is next level. Only because they didn't let you. Like, let, like soon. <laughs> if they ever do like a baby Hocus Pocus and they need someone to be like oh Sarah Michelle Gellar's character. Not Sarah Michelle Gellar, Sarah Jessica Parker's character. You would definitely be like a young uh, oh my god, which pocus pocus. What a freaking compliment. I can't. So I actually thought of some like questions uh, from watching this movie because I rewatched it again. So I have some questions for you, princess, that I want you to answer. All right, I'm ready. So the first would be like with the wish fish, what mm-hmm. would be your greatest wish? What would the fish see for you? My greatest wish honestly would be for like for self conf- self esteem, self confidence. But if I knew that the wish that the wish fish were all like in prison, I would probably wish for them to be free because like that's fucked up. I don't endorse slavery of any kind. <laughs> Honestly, I feel that. It's like if you found out that that happens, like how could you just like let them be? Especially like all the good people. That was one of those things where she's like this isn't good and I was like I agree. If yeah. I was like in the good school, I'd be like this is messed up. <laughs> this is really fucked up, my guy. So I just how I felt. I was kind of like, you know, if if that was if I knew that those wish were like innocent kids who like failed flunked out of school as someone who has gotten bad grades I would not let that stand I just I would wish for all the wish fishes to come back alive into humans yeah and rebel against the the school's leader yeah and maybe uh, <laughs> if, they, if any of them want to give me a wish for letting them be free, right. then, I, then I'll take it. But I'm not going to be, right. I'm not going to lead with that. I won't put that yeah, into the exactly. wish clause. That's secondary. That's the secondary. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, also, by the way, uh, P.S., if you want to give me another one, just like, let me know. You know, I'll take it, but no no pressure. I'll, I'll be here, but you guys free yourselves first. Okay. Okay. Next question I have for you. Who would your fairy tale parents be? Oh, okay. Um, hmm. Because that was, like, so fun to watch. Like, oh, my, my dad's Robin Hood or, oh, my dad. You know what I mean? I was I like, know. this is the best. <laughs> so if I was a hero, I think that my fairy tale parent would be Belle. If we're doing, Ooh, yes. the, if we're just doing, like, regular fairy tales and I would say, yeah. like, the, whoever character that beauty is. Because I feel like. I love my dad. Like, I, the thing that I always remember about Beauty and the Beast is, like, it's about, like, a girl who really loves her dad trying to protect her dad. And I'm like, that's really why I latch onto that story. If I was a villain, I would really want my mom to be, like, Male- if Maleficent and Dr. Oh. Facilier had a baby, that's, I want to be that baby. Oh, I want to have all the dark magics. <laughs> oh, wow. Amazing. I am obsessed with that. That is what about so you? Good. Who would be your first of all? You don't want good parents, so who would be your evil? Parents? I, you know what? I feel like my fairy tale parents would be 
The Wicked Witch of the West and Glinda. <laughs> yes, yes, that is actually completely correct. Yes, I would be like the ultimate witch. I'd have like the You're ultimate the baby good from witch. Wicked. Yes, <laughs> yes, I am the baby of Wicked. That is me. Wicked is my parents. So this is it's like how I, I, it's like this. It's like your how you how I met your mother is yeah. Wicked. <laughs> Just the story of Wicked. And I just walk on stage my before mom's it wet. starts. Yeah. <laughs> this is how my mom's met. <laughs> so I feel like it would be that because I would want to be a villain so badly. And this sort of leads into my next question. Would you be an ever or never? So I would want to be a never. I would want to be a villain so mm-hmm. bad, so badly. Yeah. But I am too good on the inside, man. Mm-hmm. I am too nice. I am too nice. My my heart mm-hmm. always, it, it always, that's why I need Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I need someone there. Because otherwise people will take advantage of me because I am just you are like. Sweet. You are a sweet n- nugget. Uh, I mean. But I don't so, want to be. I want to yeah. be a baddie. <laughs> yeah. I know. To call it Eartha Kid, I want to be evil. But I also agree. I have too much anxiety, Catholic guilt. And love of Superman to really be truly evil. I would like to think if there was a school for anti-heroes, I think I would go to that school. (laughs) Amazing. We love a loophole. (laughs) Yeah. If there is a school for anti-heroes, I will will enlist there happily. I'll be like, excuse me, Han Solo is my dad. And just be like, I got to (laughs) go. You'll take his dad. I'll take uh, Ben Solo. So you can there take the go. dad. I'll take the son. And we'll rule over space together. Sounds good. It'll be our own As house of the dragon. Um. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but, yeah, I would probably want to be, like, friends with all the Nevers. And I'd definitely want to date them. But I would not be bad enough to be in the school. So going with the villains... Like, each villain has, like, a special talent that they can hone mm-hmm. into a powerful weapon. So what would your talent be? What would you use to hone into a powerful weapon to take over the world and or your nemesis? Mm, man, so many options. I do like to develop right? the You're tattoos. You're too talented, princess. Too oh my much. Gosh. Oh, the tattoo girl! Yeah, I feel like because I have so many weapons as tattoos, <laughs> like, technically— You're ready. <laughs> I'm kind of ready to do that. Like, I technically have, like, a knife. I have, like, a, a spear and shield and, like— Oh, damn. All these, and also, like, all these Sailor Moon tattoos I have. Like, what if—like, if I were to use those, then I think I'd be pretty set. I think that's—I'm building my brand. <laughs> oh, so you already knew. You're like, I- I'm ready for this. If this happens, I got the tattoos to, you know, defeat whoever I need to. Right. Like, uh, I actually have a tattoo of, like—I have a tattoo of Catwoman on my— left leg and like a tattoo of storm on my right so it's like i'm gonna be i'm i'm set you are set wow dang that is too perfect yeah (laughs) i feel like my weapon mm, or my talent that i turn into a weapon this is kind of (laughs) stupid but when i was a kid i always used to like when i would like flirt with boys I would be like, and I'd flirt with boys. I'd be like, I'm going to tap dance on your face because that was like something that I could do. And I thought I was like so tough. And 
honestly, yeah, I would use my power. Like, cause I can, I used, I mean, I haven't tap danced in a long time, but when mm-hmm. I used to do it, I was really good. So I believe that. I think that would be those shoes. If you put them on, those could be a weapon. So, and you know, like when we were doing our Sandman episode, Tiny Dancer was already my serial killer name. So I right. think that it fits. Yes, dancing on their with, graves. With my whole villain arc. Mm-hmm. So I think dance has to be involved somehow in in my villain journey. Black Swan, some Ooh. sort of thing that turns me. Or, you know, because remember in like Snow White, how like they make the evil stepmother die by dancing on hot shoes. Maybe that's oh kind of like, <gasps> that's your, that, that's what, those are the kind of shoes that you make. When they put on the feet of your enemies, they dance until they die. Oh my God, beautiful, amazing princess. We did it. Obsessed with that. <laughs> I love that. Insane. Okay, my last question that I have for you. Using, now knowing your power and how you're going to use it, who would your fictional nemesis be? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Like, Uh, what what fictional character could you just, like, not stand? (laughs) If this was me of, like, five years ago, I'd be like, Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Um, (laughs) Fight her. I think if I was going to fight anybody just for, like, the fun of it... I would love to, like, be enemies with, like, the actual Snow Queen because she's just so oh. evil. Like, you know, Dang, she's like... princess, you're going right for the top. Yeah, I want top tier. That's the Aries in me. Like, that's why I'm, that's why I'm an anti-hero. I want to go fight, like, the Snow Queen and just be like, um, hey, stop. Because she's just the baddest. She's the coolest. I want to fight Elsa. I want to fight Elsa. Oh. <laughs> Because wow. it's like fighting God. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my God, it really is. You're just like, I'm going to defeat Elsa and just become the new ruler of Arendelle. So, yeah. Makes sense. She doesn't That's really want to rule it anyway. I think she would gladly yeah. give it up to you. Yeah, I'd be like, let it go. <laughs> Sis. Just like, goodbye. Stop it. Um. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that. That's so perfect. What about so you? So good. Uh, uh, who is the goodiest goody boy? Mm, Captain, so like, America. Captain America. <laughs> I'm so Jinx. sorry. I cannot stand him. I can't do it. He would get on my last nerve. I wouldn't be able to to handle it. And so many people love Captain Captain America. They're like, how could you not like Captain America? I'm like, I'm sorry. I just You're can't like, do it. You're like, I've seen Chris Evans and other things. <laughs> He's better as a villain, okay? Everyone's always better as a villain. So, but I don't know. There's something about Captain America that just irks me. <laughs> can't do it. I'd be Thanos in this situation. I would just like go right after him and That's he'd just everyone's put the Avengers dead. against me and I'd be like, right. oh damn. Here we go right. again. I know. Uh, well, okay, let's do this. But, uh, and I would definitely be Team Iron Man if it was like Cap versus Iron Man. So I think I think that's kind of influencing me a little bit. Just that movie just completely made me a Captain America hater. Uh, but yeah, I can't stand him. Sorry to the lovers. <laughs> like, mm, sorry, can't can't relate. I'm Wanda. Uh, 
Right? I love, like, my favorite MCU characters are Loki and Wanda. So, sorry, I can't relate. And Iron Man. So, not going to love Captain America. You can keep America's ass. I'm not interested. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, You're like, who needs America's ass when you could be friends with America's go-to? But I love those questions. You always bring the best energy. I just love, like, whenever whenever we get to dive into anything fantasy-related, I just love to—because I would always do this when reading books or when watching, mm-hmm. like, movies as a kid. I'd want to, like, okay, if I was in this situation, like, what, would, I what would my superpower be? What would I do? Who would I be friends with? Like, I like that's how I, like, build the world in my head and also why I, like, loved fan fiction so much because I'm like, ooh, different possibilities. Let's think right. about all these different things that could happen. I love world building. I love all that, so— when we get a new world to build in and learn in and think about, and especially when there's magic involved, forget it. I am a goner. And I remember when I was interviewing them, Soman, he said this really like specific thing that I thought was so amazing about the School for Good and Evil. He's like, he wanted to create a magical school that felt like a Madonna concert. Ooh, <laughs> like, love that. He's like, he wanted this like high female energy that was powering the school. And it was one of those things where I did feel that, especially with like, you know, the casting, like we've said, it was so good. Especially all the female characters were so well casted and so good. And they brought like all this energy. I loved just like the group of like the bad girls, the bad kids or whatever. Like they were so fun. They were so like... I'm telling you, my least favorite character was Mr. Prince Boy. I was like, who is this getting in the way? Tedros, I was like, he looked like a baby Henry Cavill. Didn't he look like a Cavill brother that got lost somewhere along the line? But I was just kind of like, you know, God bless. But we're here for the ladies. I don't care about this guy. I'm like, sir, step aside. Yeah. All right. I think we can go down to one more thing. Tessa, do you have a one more thing? I think my one more thing is everybody's got a little bit of good and a little bit of evil inside of us, you know? That's what makes us human. And I think that this movie talks about, like, the balance of that. And like you were saying, like we were saying, sometimes it's fun to just explore the villain in you and be a little evil, but just... Never go too far. Know the balance, but still have fun. You have to have both sides of yourself. Know both sides of yourself and thrive and live in both sides of yourself. Absolutely. My one more thing is not everything needs a narrator. (laughs) If it's Kate Blanchett, we'll let it slide. But Kate Blanchett can narrate everything. (laughs) Yes. It's like usually I'm very anti-narrator. But if it's Kate Blanchett, I'm like, all right. And also, yeah, I love I love all the biodiversity in this movie. Please make sure you cast so many different people as good and evil because good and evil comes in all shapes and sizes. That's true. All right, y'all, you know the drill. If you like us, follow us. You can find the Geek Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And for those of you who absolutely cannot get enough of us, let us know in a five-star review. See little comments, love, affection. We feed off of it like fairies. So yeah, tell us how much you love us. Yes, please tell us how much you love us or we will die. Not really, but we will die on emotionally. the inside. Emotionally. We will emotionally die. We need applause and 
words of affirmation to live. Anyway, the Geeks Podcast is hosted by me, Tessa Netting. And me, Princess Weeks. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all over the internet at Tessa Netting. And you can find me on YouTube as Princess Weeks and on Twitter as Weeks Princess. Next week, we are talking about Cabinet of Curiosities from one of our favorite creators, Guillermo del Toro. So I cannot wait for that. This is a Netflix Geeked and Spoke Media production. Kelly Kolf is our producer. Reyes Mendoza is our associate producer. Delora Patton is our coordinating producer. And a special thanks to Carson McCain. Sound design and engineering by Evan Arnett, who composed and performed our original theme. Our executive producers are Keisha T.K. Dutez, Brigham Mosley, Aaliyah Tavakolian, and Keith Reynolds. To stay updated on all things geek, be sure to follow us at Netflix Geeked on Twitter, Instagram, and the TikToks. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye.